That oh, sound, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, is my LaCroix opening for yet another edition of the Android Central Podcast. It's Friday. That's how you know. That's how you know. It's August 24th, 2018. My name is Daniel Bader, and I'm joined by Andrew Martinick and Jerry Hilton Brand. Guys, welcome back. Hey, hey. I do not have a LaCroix because it's, you know, it's, it's still close to noon, just after noon, so I still have coffee. I'm on my second cup, but that means we're ready to go. I was really hoping you would say it's it's before noon, so I have a, you know, a, a glass of whiskey next to me. Uh, uh, yeah, I of, wish. Uh, something good. That'll be later. Yeah, I'm leaning towards that myself. So, gentlemen, it is, uh, it's been a long week, especially for the doldrums of august uh it's been an interesting week full of full of intrigue i would say uh from google and the pixel 3 excel we'll talk about that for a while later on in the show but we'll start with the note 9 we talked about that two weeks ago and today august 24th is the day that it is released it's available on the market andrew reviewed it and if uh you haven't read the review yet it goes into depth in, you know, on pretty much every facet of this $1,000 phone. And I think the question that a lot of people want to know today is, now that we've reached that $1,000 mark, and I don't think it's going down anytime soon, right? Flagships are going to get more expensive, not less. Yep. Is this the phone to buy in 2018? Well, that... <laughs> It's perfect timing because we just updated our best Android phones list where it's kind of our our running, you know, list of the best you can get, you know, within certain parameters. And even with the Note 9 that just came out, uh, it's not the best phone on that list. The Galaxy S9 Plus still is. And that's really that really comes down to just a, a recognition that it's not. $200 better than the Galaxy S9. The Note 9 is not $200 better than that Galaxy S9 Plus. Uh, right. I, ga- I I praise the Note 9 for the, for the first time being better in every way than the Galaxy S of, of the year. Uh, there have always been these weird shortcomings with battery life or a couple, you know, random things that were a little different. And this time it really is better than the Galaxy S9 in, in, every potential way that it's different. But the problem is that we're talking about it being better in like five to 10% of the experience because the rest of the 90% is the exact same as the S nine plus. And as I was updating that article, I'm looking at the prices of the S nine plus and it's available for $740 on Amazon unlocked today. That's $250. Let, let's just be clear, though, because a lot of people are going to say, well, you just said that the Note 9 is better in every way than the S9 Plus, and yet it's not the best phone we, you can buy. It's not our pick for the phone for, for, you, know, for you. And our, the way that we approach these lists at Android Central is a bit more holistic. It's not necessarily price, equal, you know, price plus features equals the best if that was the case then then the virtue no that's not true the virtue wouldn't be on that list ever but (laughs) let's let's say like the uh last year the mate 10 like the the porsche design mate 10 with six gigs or eight gigs of ram and 256 gigs of storage and that would have been on the top of the list because it would have had like the the most powerful specs of any phone out there that's just not the case the s9 
we believe, the S9 Plus rather, we believe is the best phone for most people right now when we balance what one expects from a, a top-end phone. Right, That that's really important. And I, I mean, we can still find some things that the S9 Plus is better at, you know, subjectively than the Note 9 when you talk about it being a little easier to hold in terms of its size and weight. Uh, but it really is about that value proposition when, you, you know, $1,000 is just a huge mark. Even if you were paying full retail price for the S9 Plus, it's, you were talking about 20% more and it's not a 20% better phone. Uh, that's, I mean, it's great that it's better in every way, but that doesn't mean that everybody should go out and buy a Note 9 because it really is for that specific person that's willing to pay a ton more for just a little bit improvement. Right. The Note 9 is the Pixel Book. Sure, it's the best, but it's not the best phone you should buy. You can right. get and it's, more for it's your money with. Sorry, Jerry. I was just saying it's interesting you say that because you've said a lot that like the Pixelbook is almost like the reference device for other Chromebook manufacturers to use. Um, and the Note 9 is not necessarily that, but at the, in some ways, Samsung is always the aspirational brand that other Android manufacturers try to reach. Right. I, I think every year the Note is Samsung saying, this is what we can do this year. Look, this is what we can do, and if you want the best we can do, we're happy to sell it to you. But they also sell that's you know a, a phone that is better value wise and almost as good in every other way with the regular Galaxy S. Right, and it's it's interesting that the Note Nine comes out the same day that Samsung announces its first Android Go device, yeah. which is you know. It's $100. It's not going to be available in many markets, but it's basically the the complete opposite of what you get with the Note 9. It's cheap. It isn't that well made. It has a 960 by 540 pixel screen. Ooh. I mean, <laughs> that, that was mm-hmm. top those end bezels. in 2011. Um, and yet, this is Samsung saying, hey, we run the gamut. And we've talked about this before. It, it can make a phone that is aspirational and can be um, can be put in the same sentence as the iPhone 10 as a thousand dollar phone that is the best in its class and at the same time Samsung almost single-handedly owns that entry-level market in a lot of regions yep. and it's butting up against companies like Motorola Xiaomi and all these others in markets like India and China where it's really trying hard to either stay on top or or unseat the the leaders right now. And part of that, the reason why they can sell uh, Galaxy J series and A series phones in the $100 to $300 range is because of that massive brand equity that they build up from being mentioned in the same sentence as the iPhone 10, iPhone 8 uh, with their competing products at the high end. It's, it's that brand identity that comes all the way down. And you look at this Galaxy J2 Android One phone and it, it has that Samsung identity, and the that's even more the case in the Galaxy A series, uh, A3, A5, A7, I think, uh, that sell really well in, in Europe and India, is that they just look like a slightly cheapened Galaxy S8, S9. And that is a huge deal 
uh, because not everybody can can buy these thousand something dollar phones. And that's really what it, it it comes down to, even at the high end, that you can be attracted to that Note 9, but you can be pragmatic about the fact that maybe you don't need the S Pen. And then at that point, you're like, well, I might as well save $250 and, you know, buy one of these nice cases, nice uh, duo wireless charger, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and have a better total experience because you have more than just the phone. So let's talk about this phone a little bit. It's it's big. It's really well made. It's it lasts a long time. I've been using it um, daily for just over a week now. I haven't hit under 10% battery uh, once going to bed. Uh, that's impressive given that the Note 8 was disappointing in that regard. But everything else about it just feels a little bit more um, consistent, a little bit less jerky than previous Samsung phones, even the S9 Plus. Maybe it's that um, you know additional, I don't know, upgrade to 8.1 over 8.0, but I, I you know it's unclear. Uh, but it's just in general, things feel tighter. I, I guess, you know, you can say, you know, seems faster in quotes, like we, we right. sometimes joke <laughs> about. Um, maybe side by side, they wouldn't really be different. But I think this is definitely um, up there. But what every review I've read, including yours, Andrew, makes the point that it doesn't separate itself enough from the leaders, or it doesn't hit that leadership role in any one category, right? Huawei phones are better in battery life the pixel is still better as a camera performance wise oneplus smokes this phone but somehow this just feels good enough in almost every category that people are going to be pretty happy about it yeah it's for the person that wants just that little bit extra in kind of every area because I mean, this has kind of been Samsung's MO for a while now is to just kind of do everything and be well above average in everything it does. It doesn't have that one standout feature or one. I mean, outside of 512 gig internal storage, it doesn't really have the one standout thing where you can say, like on the rest of our best Android uh, phones list we have phones like the p20 pro on there that's like wow that camera and you're buying it for the camera uh, of course you have the s pen here but that's not new to samsung they've been doing great s pens for five years now it's more of just you're gonna get absolutely everything and this is basically a no compromise device the only thing that some people may compromise on is software if you're coming from something like a, you know, a OnePlus 6 or a, a a Pixel 2 XL or something like that. Before anybody gets all bent out of shape, Samsung has come a long way and their software works well now. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't. It's just not for me because I don't want all that stuff. And I don't want to have right. to hide or that stuff gets in my way from the few things I want my phone to do well. So, you know, I almost feel like I'm missing out each year. Because, you know, I didn't want a Note 8 last year. I would have loved to have the S Pen because I, I really like to draw and doodle and stuff. But I don't want to carry that thing around and have it all these bings and booms and sounds of water and crazy Samsung nonsense. I just want to text and talk to people. Yeah, that's, so, that, that's not what happens anymore. I mean, that hasn't happened for a few years now. And I, I, I find no it interesting. Bloops. Well, the bloops haven't happened in a while. Um, yeah. You know, the... 
there are a lot of features and I and I'll we'll look at we'll, we'll talk about Bixby because I I want to use that as the focal point of what Samsung thinks is useful for cu- for customers <laughs> when in fact it's the complete opposite. And what I what I find so frustrating about a Samsung experience, literally the Samsung experience is that it takes two steps forward and one step back almost every single year. And I refer to that and I'm using Bixby as an example because when the S8 was released, there was a lot of commotion about the fact that you couldn't disable it. And then Samsung released an update down the road that allowed you to basically make the button non-existent. It just didn't work. If you pressed it, you can't. You wouldn't be able to swipe to open Bixby Home. For all intents and purposes, the Bixby button could be completely disabled without installing a third-party app like BX Mapper or something um, or BX Actions. Now with the Note 9, at least in this early iteration, the Note the the Bixby button cannot be disabled. You in fact mm-hmm. the the Bixby home screen has been decoupled entirely from this new Bixby portal which purports to be this one place that gives you examples on what you can do with Bixby and how much better it is with version 2.0. But Andrew, this is a, a, a considerable downgrade it's a much worse experience now because not only is bixby still bad and i would argue it's probably even worse because it purports to do all these new things but it doesn't do those things at all and yet you can't disable the button anymore and i feel like that's a purposeful regression to try to reassert itself into this ai game at a time where it just does not have the cachet and especially at a time that coming out of io google assistant is just so much better in every way and before I get into all that, Google Assistant, when you don't want it, is not there because it's in a soft button. And it's kind of also just kind of everywhere, wherever you, you know, wherever, whenever you need it. But yeah, we've been kind of trying to hold off on the Bixby button situation on the Note 9 because it, it's on our Note 9s, which I've had mine for a couple of weeks now, it's gone through several updates and it's dropped the beta tag officially. And now that the phone is actually on sale today, you kind of have to double check. We need to just make sure that it's final. But the yeah, the decoupling of Bixby Home and Bixby Voice is is final. That's just how it is. So I think they understand that Bixby Home is really just not useful at all. It was useful as a way to get to the settings to disable other things. But there's this problem now that... I love the idea of Bixby voice with the button that it's kind of like a walkie talkie. You hold down the button and talk and then you release it and you get really quick actions because of that, because it doesn't have to wait to figure out that you stop talking. You can tell it exactly when you stop talking, but now they have that problem that you talked about where a short press launches you to this home screen that, that isn't anything. It's just, you press it and it says, hi andrew like what can i do and it says this is the all new bixby see what's new and it gives you some recommendations but that's that that's useless like that needs to take me to something more useful than that and i wonder if that's going to change shortly as you know after a few weeks of people you know using the new bixby but this is Bixby 2.0. This is supposed to be the next major, you know, revision. They went through the trouble of calling it a new version. Compare that to the way the Google Assistant works, where 
it just adds new things all the time and there's no assistant 1.0 1.5 2.0 it just it just does the thing and the interface just changes as it goes i don't know i, I mean i don't know what we <laughs> what to say about it if they really don't let you remap the button or you know disable the button again this has kind of been a under the radar change because it's been done in beta but I don't know about you, Daniel. Every time, every other time I take my Note Nine out of my pocket and unlock it, it's on that Bixby homepage. It is, and and I, you know, I, I understand that if Samsung thought, "Hey, we're, you know, we gave you the option to disable Bixby last year because we understand that it didn't provide the, um, you know, it didn't give you the experience that we wanted it to." So we're we're going to allow you to do this as a stopgap until Bixby two point but. I've been trying. I really have. It's not like I've been ignoring it. I mean, I how, I can't help uh, looking at it. It's open every time I unlock my phone, and it's still bad. How can it's, I help you today? Yeah, it's like, you know, what can I accomplish with you? How how can I make your day better? I'm like, well, you can make my day better by disappearing forever. And that's kind of the way that I see it is, it is it's disruptive. It actually makes the experience worse. And it's really the... The, it's it's that example of Samsung's hubris. The more that it gets better in so many other ways, it insists on inserting itself from a software perspective into your life in ways that don't add value and are actually quite uh, negative. And I, you know, for I I, I try to see the um, I try to see these big releases from a user's perspective, an average phone buyer, right? Not a not somebody who does this for a living, somebody who upgrades his or her phone every two years. And coming from a Note 5 or an S7 to a Note 9 is such a huge improvement in almost every way. Samsung, and same with the S9 series. But to have to deal with Bixby and now not being able to turn it off, I don't think anybody's going to be happy about that. Y'all hate Bixby. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, sure, it sucks right now, but it's got to suck. It it's by just the nature of what it is, it has to suck until we make it better by using it. And yeah, y'all are talking about some usability problems, and they sound really bad. Admittedly, I don't know because I haven't used one. But from what I'm hearing, I envision uh, if you use a Windows laptop or desktop, you've got that little chat icon, and you open it, and the side panel pops out. Or if you've got an iPhone and you swipe to the widget page, that's what Bixby could be. Be filled with useful information on that Bixby homepage based on your preferences and things you've done before. You know, maybe that's their goal. Maybe they just screwed up. I don't know. But Bixby has to suck until we make it better. No, Just like Google Assistant did. I I think you misunderstand me. I'm not saying that... Bixby doesn't shouldn't exist on the phone. I'm saying that the insistence of putting the button below the left hand volume oh, okay. rocker okay. makes it and having disruptive it launch right? all the time. I, I get you now. I thought you all were just complaining because it was there. <laughs> now I get it. It's launching by accident and you hate it. But well, it's it's launching by accident because Samsung designed it that way. And it it's, explicitly it's launching it and it's launching by accident to a useless page. Like when you unlock your phone and the Bixby button's been pressed once accidentally, it launches to a page that is not what Bixby does. It gives you a little a little button down at the bottom to then launch 
a voice command, but you can always launch a voice command by long pressing on the Bixby button, and it told you as such when you started up the phone and it taught you how to use it and you signed in and all that kind of stuff. You don't need this. I mean, it's just bad UX. It's just there's no other way to put it. I hate an extra button on a phone for anything. So, yeah, that would kill me. I get and it now. That, that's kind of the biggest problem. I, look, Google Assistant has this same problem. If you launch Google Assistant, it doesn't give you like the old Google feed. Like right. I know they're working on that and they're starting to add things in. But Google Assistant has this same problem where if you launch Google Assistant and you don't start talking, you just see a full blank screen <laughs> and there's nothing there. But the difference is you don't accidentally launch Google Assistant in your pocket by pressing a hardware button on the side of the phone. So from, uh, you know, Bixby aside, I think there's a lot of good reasons to buy this phone. Uh, There's a few good reasons not to. Take a look at our best Android guide for more on that. Uh, We're going to take a break and we're going to thank our first sponsor, Thrifter. Every week we go to thrifter.com and we choose a product that we each like and we want to highlight from the list because Thrifter allows you to spend where it matters. And especially in the run-up to the holidays, you want to make sure that you're spending your money on the right stuff. So, Jerry, I'll start with you. What is your pick for uh, for, for Thrifter this week? Samsung 28-inch 4K monitor, 250 bucks. That's insane. Samsung, yeah. I mean, I've I've got a, a third monitor here that's 4K, and it's a cheap off-brand I won't even mention, and it cost me 250 bucks, you know, six months ago. Uh, and it's it's a good one. I mean, it's got FreeSync. It's you know 120 hertz refresh. It's a damn good monitor, and it's 250 dollars. So why is it so cheap? Are we just at a point now where 4K know, monitors man. are 250? I, I guess great. I. I don't know. I that it, it blew my mind. I you know I, I would wouldn't have thought that they had got this low. Admittedly, I haven't been shopping for them lately, but Samsung is a, a name we all know and we all trust when it comes to a screen and 4K at 28 inches. The sweet spot for especially for gaming, 250 bucks. Sounds pretty good, Andrew. What's your pick? Uh, two quick picks. Uh, Bose Quiet Comfort 35 uh, headphones, I think, are still fifty bucks off. If still not, you should three hundred dollars. Great you deal, three hundred bucks, man. I they, you never see Bose stuff on on sale. I mean, unless it's three years old and there's a new model yeah. out. So that's good. Also, Logitech MX Master 2S wireless mouse is thirty bucks off, seventy yeah. bucks instead of a hundred. That was things. my next pick. Yeah. The mouse is under my hand right now, and the headphones are on my head right now. So my pick is uh, for Android users that still want a pair of headphones that plug into your phone. If you bought a Note 9, one of the major features now, if you want to call it that, is a headphone jack. The RHA MA650 for Android headphones. These are um, earbuds. They're super well made, uh, made of aluminum. They have really high quality drivers and they have a three button remote mic and pl- um, and volume button uh, play pause and they work on all Android phones. This is specifically designed for Android. So what that means is normally if you 
buy a pair of headphones or earbuds that have this inline microphone remote. They won't work with volume up and down on your Android phone because they were made for your iPhone or for iPhones. And Apple messed up that standard a long time ago. Every single headphone maker either has to ignore Android completely or try to make (laughs) two separate models. RHA is one of the only companies making two separate models. And the MA650, they're they're normally $60 down to $42. Um, I've never seen this price so low. And if you're looking for like good quality headphones that won't fall out of your ear, that have deep bass, really good mids, and not uh, not exhausting highs, this is a really, really great pair. And I just want to point out, because I'm a headphone guy, RHA announced the first in-ear planar magnetic headphones this week. They're $900. And guys, or Andrew rather, you're going to be at IFA next week. They're showing yes. these off at the RHA booth. I would like you to go and give me a preview of these just for my own edification because these I, are I would like you to bring me a pair back. Yeah, these are $900. <laughs> they are the they're they're called the CL2 planar headphones. Um and they're basically the nicest looking headphones I've ever seen. So, I'm just going to leave that with you all there. RHA makes $900 headphones, but they also make $50 headphones specifically for your Android phone. Uh, And if you're looking for headphones, monitors, other headphones, whatever you want, you can go to thrifter.com, sign up for their daily newsletter, and check out at Thrifter Daily on Twitter. All right, Jerry, Andrew, let's talk Pixel 3 XL leaks. This week has been bananas. (laughs) The leak. The leak. Okay, so what is happening with this phone? So this happened. Was it was it the last Pixel or the previous Nexus? This happened once before, where they just got a phone like two months early. Yeah, I remember that, and it was it. It somehow or another came out of Google Berlin. They they realized when they traced the the numbers you could see and yeah the same thing this has happened before almost exactly like this but not at this scale yeah this this is like several units yeah oh yeah so what so here's what we know right the uh pixel 3 xl is baked it looks like the company has released a whole bunch of evt and dvt or engineering um validation testing and developer validation testing units they have they are they're retail box ready other than the you know the the little notes to say that they're validate they're for validation use only uh, but the software is nearly baked the hardware is fully baked and Jerry what we're seeing is that somebody obtained a shipment of these either stole them or well they definitely stole them because they yeah they nobody, nobody just you know no Google shipment person just left them on the side of a road in Ukraine somewhere but they. Uh, they put it up on what was it, Discord or Telegram or somewhere, saying, "Hey, we'll we'll sell these to you for two thousand dollars a piece." And a bunch of Russian and Ukrainian and even British bloggers bought them, and they actually had the audacity to review the phone in <laughs> August. Yeah. J- just review it straight up, like just a little caveat at the start, like, "Hey, this is a this is a phone that we were offered, and we know it doesn't come out yet, but." I'm just going to review it as if it's a final phone. Crazy. 
Okay, Andrew, this is what we know. We know that it is it has a notch, much to many people's chagrin. Uh, Whatever, don't with, care. It comes with USB-C headphones in the box, which is neat. It has wireless charging, which is cool. And it has two massive cameras on the front in between the notch, which could be for some sort of super selfie wide-angle camera. Uh, yeah. What else do we know so far? So the hardware, so as far as I know, we really only have details on the 3XL. We don't really know what's going on with the regular 3, but the 3XL seems to borrow a little bit from the Pixel 2, the smaller, this current generation Pixel. But wireless charging is interesting because the understanding is that it's kind of like a plasticky situation obviously it can't be metal but it's not glass all the way down so they've done some kind of a hard plastic to let wireless charging happen but they kept the glass up at the top from the back this thing looks exactly like the pixel 2 uh, because it's white all the way it's not uh it's not a panda um it still has one camera on the back still has a fingerprint sensor in the exact same place the metal around the sides basically looks the same. Uh, when the screen is off and you so you can't see the notch, it the front basically looks the same. It still has a bit of a chin on the bottom, so it has stereo speakers. Um, so as far as the hardware goes, looks really similar to what we what we have today. It even has an accented uh, little mint colored power button on the on the white one. Stupid notch. <laughs> I'm really happy about that mint colored power button. I'll admit it. Oh, and they put the they put the SIM card slot on the bottom, uh, as if that really matters. But so um, a lot of people have been either mistranslating or attempting to translate some of the reviews, and a lot of uh, one of the reviews said that the back is actually made of plastic in order yeah. to facilitate the um the the wireless charging. Jerry, why would Google, if if it is true, why would Google choose to put plastic on the back rather than glass? Uh, good question. Uh, I I know I I have heard from somebody who is in a position to tell me that top glass on all Pixel products get used to it. That is their brand, and Pixel products, including laptops, will have that from now till the end of time. Why it's plastic underneath and not glass, I guess maybe to set off the, you know, set the glass apart from the rest. I, I don't mm. know why you would want to do that in 2018 unless you're going to try to sell it for $7.99 instead of $9.99. You're, oh, so you're saying that it would potentially lower costs. It would make yeah. it, um, is it, is wireless charging as, um, as effective through plastic? Oh, it's it's more effective through plastic than it is glass because plastic can be much thinner. Mm. But, okay. But it works well with glass. We know that. It works great with glass. So it doesn't know have it to be plastic. Great with plastic because a lot of right. the Lumia devices from way back when right. had Qi charging through plastic. It was this like, and specialized. Nexus phones. Oh, so, you're I mean, right. It, yes, the Nexus 4. No, the Google Nexus 5. used to care about they used to care about wireless charging. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, uh, the the plastic puzzles me. I and if you look at uh, several of the photos, 
It looks like plastic. It looks like Samsung Note 4 stitched fake oh, leather plastic. Kind of. We don't know yet. <laughs> what, well, look I, at this. The photo remember, I'm looking at does. I, I remember seen the, the first the first time I put my hands on a Pixel 2, I was like, is this metal? Because right. they had a really thick I love that. textured coating on it that felt like super high quality plastic. Yep. It was not, it doesn't, it didn't feel necessarily cold to the touch and it didn't feel like your typical metal. It felt like soft touch, especially the black one. It it felt just like a soft touch coating on plastic. So if you're going to do that anyway, you might as well just make the whole thing nice, sturdy, thick plastic. Uh, I agree, Jerry, that if it's, you know, super old school, like Nexus 5 plastic, and they try to charge $700 for the thing, I'm going to laugh in their face. But I don't think that be, it being plastic is necessarily a problem. There, uh, You mentioned Lumia's, Daniel, and it's like that was the perfect example of there was good plastic and there was bad plastic. Absolutely. Yeah, the the Lumia's were all old Nokia phones were, were beautiful and they were plasticky and, and I loved them. Right. So if they do that properly, that's that's awesome. And of course, it it makes it a lot easier to deal with RF and it offers wireless charging, which is really interesting because it just doesn't seem like enough people care about wireless charging to make that a huge deal. Samsung has kind of done it because it's just one of their standard things they do. And it also, you know, works with their design language. You know, yeah, they like but, this glass back thing anyway, so you might as well do it, and it's kind of turned into a standard thing for them. Well, you, you've got one other company that now offers wireless charging that might make a little difference. Well, true. That, that's <laughs> also true. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably mean that Google will come back to yep. uh, starting to make their own make their own wireless chargers and care about that kind of stuff. Good. I like, you know, the inclusion of USB-C headphones in the box shows yes. that they, they understand that the movement to wireless headphones and USB-C headphones was kind of a joke. So they're going to start pushing that on their own again, which is, which is also good. But when we talk about the hardware, uh, like Daniel kind of indicated there, not a whole lot changing here. Uh, I wrote a, a thing at, at Daniel's kind of poking and prodding to, to remind people that if you didn't like the Pixel 2 XL, there's nothing in that 3 XL that's going to make you jump at it instead of a, instead no. of a Galaxy S9 Plus, right? And, and right, and you probably shouldn't have expected it to. I, I, I don't think you're going to like the Pixel 4 if you didn't like any of the original Pixels. Google wants to keep things mostly this way for good or bad. That's what they seem to want. So the question is if a company like Google, uh, and this is, this is a, a, a big kind of broad, broader question about, about Google's own strategy when it comes to phones. And, and, you know, is if this company only sold 5 million pixels and that's being generous in 20, 2017, 2018, um, and they are still presumably going to partner with just Verizon on the carrier release in the US. You know, they're not yeah. they're not trying to separate from the pack. They're really nope. just in tr- they're they're digging in their heels and saying this is the standard bearer that we want to provide like with the Nexus line, but we're doing it with a little bit more maturity. On the other hand, Jerry, they just spent a lot of money to acquire 2,000 engineers 
from HTC to make the pixel line better. So where is that engineering prowess going? Is it, it's not going to the outside of the phone. It must be going inside. And, and I don't think we're going to see the full, you know, effect of those HTC engineers this year. That's, you know, they, they had something that they had to work with an idea or an original design or, you know, a, a marketing, you know, executive telling them that they need this and they had to work, you know, confined to that. Next year, they're going to have more input from the very beginning of the design process. And, you know, maybe we'll see some broader changes. But just the fact that the SIM card tray is on the bottom means that something inside was shook up. Yeah. And we know it wasn't the battery because the battery is smaller. It's 24, 34, 30 milliamp hours rather than 35, 20. So, um, Jerry, we're we're hearing rumors that there's an updated visual, you know, Pixel Visual Core in there. That makes I'm sense. That sure. would be the yep. second generation. Do you expect any other ch- uh, changes to the hardware, or is this just going to be a standard Snapdragon 845, four gigs of RAM type of setup? Well, the 845 has several coprocessors. Google could have had some code written by Qualcomm to to use one of them you know, let's say specifically for AI stuff like, like Apple does. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that, but any drastic changes to, you know, the standard Snapdragon configuration? No, that's not, not now. I, I definitely think one day we're going to see Google with a, you know, something like a, a MediaTek white label chip they've designed themselves. But I don't think we're going to see anything fancy this year. All right. So then why, I guess, why the hype? And, you know, this is this is funny because the hype may just be inside our, our own little circles. But I'm guessing the people listening to this podcast, all the, you know, the four or five million of you, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah. <laughs> um, are are interested. They, they may not buy the Pixel. Right, you you guys may have a Samsung or an LG or something else in your pocket, but you're I'm I'm betting that you're keeping tabs on what's happening with the Pixel. Why do you think that is? Is it just because Google's making it, or is there some special sauce in there that you know we're not really we're we're, we're not really sure of, but we're but we're sort of like circling it. I think it's both. I, I like to go back to split screen, you know, multi apps on the same window. Samsung did that for several years, and it, and it worked pretty well as long as you use the right apps. In the meantime, Google was working on how can we bake this into Android so it just works everywhere. If Google didn't make a Pixel or a Nexus, you know, their own phone, we never would have seen that. The Pixel is where we will see what Google either invents or quote-unquote perfects. I'll use the notch as an example this year. I hate them, but the Pixel 3 had to have, you know, the XL at least, had to have a notch. If we want Android to just work, everything, all apps, everything, just work with a phone with a big notch, you have to have a Pixel. Anything that Google does around that notch, you're going to see it on their phones. And that's interesting. It's going to be announced on October 4th. Andrew, we assume. Uh, well, 
I think that's safe, safe to say. It's been, yeah, they've made the Pixel announcements on October 4th for two years in a row. Um, around then, at least. So we've got a, a month and a bit left before the announcement. But there are, as with every Pixel uh, launch, other products in the wings, right? We're expecting a Pixel watch this year. Um, there, you know, we know that that Qualcomm is working on a new Snapdragon Wear processor, so that you know one would assume that the two will will probably be announced at least not side by side, but close together. Keep rearranging um, those deck chairs, Google. And you know, every year Google's announced a Google Home product. Last year was the Home Mini and Home Max. The year before was the Home itself. We mm-hmm. um, we saw the Pixel Book launched last year. Um, Pixel Buds. Pixel Buds, but you know, RIP. Um, yeah. You know, any other products that you're expecting this year that that we're not really talking about? Google's own smart display. That, that yeah. I'm sure we're going to see that this year. And uh, or Google <coughs> Home Hardware. October 3rd. <coughs> just saying. So hang on a second. Let's actually dig into that a little bit because, you know, I have a Lenovo smart display here. Jerry, you do as well. Yeah. I would say, like, it seemed back at CES that Google built this with Lenovo. Like, this yeah. was a co-produced product. Why on earth would Google make its own smart display so soon after the its earliest generation kind of partner products have come out? Because Google needs a guinea pig and Lenovo doesn't want to be that guinea pig would be my answer to that question. Uh, and smart display is an entirely new category. We want someone to be the guinea pig. We want Google to just throw all kind of crazy ideas at it. And if you bought a smart display from Lenovo, and my God, Daniel, you'll agree, the thing's amazing. Would you it's, want, it's awesome. Would you want an update to screw it up? No. And the, the Lenovo wouldn't want that either. That's why I think Google needs to make their own products, even if they want to say, well, we're a serious hardware company, but they don't even try to sell the stuff. They still have to make them. The only other potential wildcard here is something in the TV space. Uh, we're, we're, in need, we're in need of a Chromecast refresh, whether that's just a new, more powerful dongle or something entirely new with a remote and things like that. Uh, you know, at Google I.O., they released that kind of uh, that, what is it, an Android TV developer dongle type mm-hmm. situation that's Android TV in a tight package with a remote. Uh, you know, we could see that come out not, actually as some sort right, of a product. Wait, Andrew, Andrew, let me stop. You're saying that there was a dongle in a tight package? That is that is oh, news. <clears throat> that is news to me. <laughs> no, but I, I, I mean, forgot about that, Andrew. Thank <laughs> you, because yeah. I'll bet that's your Chromecast, and I'll bet it d- does more than just a Chromecast. Yeah, Google needs, I wrote about this, uh, you know, I don't know, a couple months back about how frustrating the Chromecast experience has been. We just really haven't heard anything uh, exciting about Chromecast. It's kind of, we know that Google is regularly working on it and improving the protocol and everything like that. But the Chromecast Ultra is pretty long in the tooth. And look, they still sell the original Chromecast audio and the second generation Chromecast. And a lot of people are okay with that and they don't necessarily want to spend $70 on a Chromecast Ultra, but it's time for that to to get refreshed, even if it's not a complete rethinking of the product. Yeah, I live in a relatively small home and I've got five Chromecasts and three Shield TVs here because of what I do for a living. The Shield TV with the Oreo update 
is the best Chromecast in the world. It never disconnects. It works every time the first time. Yeah. Even when you're casting web pages, you don't get that stupid error where it's not found. It just works. So there's something that can be done to fix Chromecasts. I, Here, here's and, the other and thing. And I think that, go ahead, Daniel. Well, I was just going to say, the other thing is that my television comes with a Chromecast built in now, and I'd expect a yeah. lot of others do too. For anything so from mine. LG and Sony and um, Vizio and Vizio and uh, a couple others have built in Android Google Assistant, but also Chromecast. So people don't need it. It's just like um, the the one thing that the Chromecast Ultra is lacking are is some of the newer protocol. Like it doesn't support HDR10. It doesn't support Dolby Atmos. These are things that need to be built into the hardware for a newer refresh. And, and I, oh, there's Google one assistant, right? There's what the other part of it is that they're they're trying to Google's trying to pull together this combination of having a Google Home and being able to have it cast things. And just the Chromecast Ultra is just not fast enough to handle that kind of seamless experience. It's a two-device, two-screen experience. Right. They're, if they want to do that, they need something with more hardware uh, power that can respond quicker and make that happen. And so, and your point about having it baked into the di- all these displays is an important one because that's kind of your base-level experience. And on the complete high end, you have... Uh, you know, a shield TV, you know, that not a lot of people are going to have or just buy on a whim. Google needs to be able to play in that space where uh, the Roku stick and the Fire TV, you know, diamond looking dongle thing, I guess it's a, still a Fire TV stick, whatever. Those thing, those devices are just destroying Google in that slightly upgraded level. You can go buy a Roku stick or a Fire TV for the same price as a Chromecast Ultra and you get a device that's just as quick with a remote and a full interface. Uh, you know, Chromecast works really well as this just baseline protocol that just kind of, you know, just works except for when it doesn't, but when it's built into your TV, that's awesome. But when you go out and buy a discrete device to plug in the back of your TV to occupy its own input that you have to switch to, if you want to use it, and it doesn't do anything more than what's built into the most modern TVs, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of a problem. Well, it's funny you mentioned Roku because people will, I'm sure somebody will tell me in the comments or on Twitter, maybe three years ago, four years ago, Roku sucked. They were, they were just total crap. They were slow. They were error prone. You couldn't do crap with them. They needed to update the hardware. They updated the hardware, and now they're amazing. So yeah, and they have all the content you want, yep. including uh, uh, you know all the different sources. It's not uh, as Google skewed, right? So they went from a frustrating, you know, user experience where I've got all this stuff here, but getting it and and making it work was a chore. To it's it's wonderful and it feels seamless, built into TVs and stuff. That's where Google can move with with a combination of of some of their ideas, Chromecast Assistant, maybe some ideas from the smart display world mixed into a device that can plug into your TV. I mean, I would argue that Sonos went through that same process, right? You have a company that made really good hardware 
Um, but it, it didn't work well with others. It didn't right. have a lot of connections. I mean, sorry, it had a lot of connections into music streaming, but it, from a connectivity perspective, you needed a bridge. You, you couldn't plug it into a television through HDMI. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have voice assistant support. Now Sonos is opening up. It supports, um, you know, the, uh, it supports Lexa. It supports Google, It'll support Google assistant. It now has airplay to support. Um, the, the beam plugs right into your HDMI port. It supports arc. It's just a fantastic product, but Sonos had to learn the hard way that, you know, basically it was getting eaten alive by some of its technology competitors because Sonos considers itself to be a, um, a, a music company, an audio company. And I think Roku had to deal, deal with the same thing where Amazon approached the fire ecosystem sort of as a, as a hobby, as a way to get people to sign up for prime. And yet Amazon was killing it. And Roku had to realize why people wanted Roku over the competitors. And, and Google needs uh, has, I think always looked at Chromecast as this break even or maybe a little bit of a losing product because it enhances the overall Google experience, gets you to use Google Assistant, Google Home, et cetera. Right. Um, and of course, you know, make a little money off of things when you use play, the Play Store and Android, which has the best experience with it. Uh, that means that they need to keep up with the sa- these other companies that are also using it as a slight loss leader, but have evolved past that point too. Well, even Apple has learned that you need to beef things up to give users the content they want today. You have to spend money and build good hardware. The new Apple TV was, you know, that that wasn't a huge announcement to most people. But if you have used a prior Apple TV and now you have a new one, you're like, wow, this is good now. So Google needs to learn from everyone. Okay, so... Uh, we're we're going to finish off talking a little bit about uh, the upcoming IFA uh, conference. And um, before we do that, we're going to take our last break to talk about Lightstream. Lightstream uh, has been sponsoring the show for a while now. And, you know, I hope that some of you have taken advantage of this because, you know, credit is credit is hard. You know, it can pile up really easily and you're often left with really crippling debt over you just credit card companies love giving you credit, but they also love ramping up those interest rates. So Lightstream offers a credit card consolidation loan starting from 5.89% APR with auto pay. And not only is that lower than the average credit card interest rate, but they make it really easy to get a loan from between $5,000 and $100,000. And you can get your funds day of because Lightstream doesn't want to punish you if you have a good credit score. It wants you to make wants to make it easier for you to get a really good interest rate on your loans. So the way this works is that if you have a bunch of credit cards with outstanding debt, you can consolidate them into a single loan and just pay that one lower interest rate. And Lightstream will take care of everything for you. All you need to do is go to lightstream.com slash ACP to sign up. And you get a special discount if you sign up today. That's Lightstream, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash ACP. And I have to read this disclosure, but I'll do it fast. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. 
Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash ACP for more information. Okay, Andrew, Jerry, next week is IFA. IFA is, it's in Berlin. I've never been, but Andrew, you're a vet. You've been how many years now? Four, five? I think I think this will be four, but they all kind of blur together. So I, it's, I think it's four. Okay, so uh, this is, it's not CES. It's definitely not MWC, no. but it's sort of in the middle. It's, it's a it, global it, headphone conference, at least this year. <laughs> Might be. Yeah, if you're checking out those uh, those $900 headphones. So tell us about what EFA 2018 stands to offer and whether people should be interested. Uh, yeah, you've got to temper expectations to start, uh, especially because MWC has just gotten so massive. It's really taken over a lot of the uh, uh, European announcements and global announcements. So you really, after Samsung stopped doing the Note at IFA or you know coinciding with IFA every like the air was just kind of taken out of the room you get a lot of ecosystem inf- you know things lots of accessories lots of TVs smart home kind of stuff you'll always see something you know interesting in terms of you know they'll announce new colors of a phone or maybe a different model of something or expanded availability uh some of the smaller players uh, you know, we'll have announcements. You'll see things like Lenovo, Motorola, Sony has always launched phones there. You know, whether they're of any consequence doesn't really, you know, that's something different. Uh, Huawei Honor, they usually have something as well because they usually launch just a million phones. Uh, it's been a show where we've seen new wearables, although Samsung trotted out the Galaxy Watch uh, early. They're going to talk about it more now that it's actually, you know, going on sale this week. Uh, it's that kind of stuff. It's more ecosystem play, not necessarily big blockbuster products. I think those are the important products myself. They they do matter. It's it's. I mean, there's still a reason why they're they're showing them off at a show like this. They're just not necessarily big, you know, water carrying uh, devices for companies. They're there because they're they're things that are good to buy to use with the stuff you already love. And I think that's important to have. So what do we know about this particular year so far? Um, you know, the Note 9 and the Galaxy Watch have been announced already. So Samsung may lay low a little bit. But we know that the will the V40 from LG be announced? Or do you think that'll be another separate event? Oh. I mean, if they were going to do it, this would be a great year to do it because nobody else is really doing anything. There's rumors that Sony may not uh, may not launch another phone, uh, which would be uncharacteristic for them because they love launching new phones. Um, LG may do some sort of a uh, it may be the first time we see a new LG watch. That's been rumored forever. Uh, we think there might be a new BlackBerry phone. Um, Honor is probably going to have a couple iterations of of new phones. Like, uh, you know, we'll actually see that uh, Honor Note 10, whatever that gigantic phone is. Uh, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if LG was going to do something, I haven't heard anything personally, but if LG was going to do something, this would be a great show to do it. Well, do you think we'll see like five Samsung tablets? Samsung tablets this year, or is that just dead? 
Yeah, well, this is the kind of show where they would trot, you know, trot out uh, another new Galaxy yeah, the, the, Tab A or the you know, whatever. $199 tablets that actually sell. You know, right. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see another one. This is Samsung and they can they can make those quick and if people want them they will. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, speaking to to LG, I think it would be a fine time to do it. They have a keynote. But usually this is their time to talk yeah. about their, their ecosystem stuff because all their other stuff makes money. Well, yeah, LG makes some awesome speakers and, you know, home products as well that kind of tie into the entire ecosystem. So so last year, um, you know, we were talking about Lenovo earlier. They launched the Mirage along with the Star Wars Jedi Challenge VR AR thing. Um, that ended up being our most popular post slash video of all of IFA 2017. People yeah. were really excited about it. Um, they launched a, a, an update to it earlier this year, but it, it would be interesting to see whether AR and VR, Jerry, are are going to play a role at at this year and and at least like maybe at CES in January because it's it's sort of taken a a little yeah. bit of a a break from popular culture in the last few months. I think CES, I, I don't think we're going to see it at IFA. Uh, they they kind of had to reinvent their direction when we saw just what Google and Apple could do on just a phone with no fancy anything. So the, the companies that, you know, want to make competing products or make accessories that go with those iPhones and galaxy phones and, pixels that that have a great ar package they had to put the brakes on maybe some ideas and rethink but ces is a great place to have some of those crazy things interactive stuff that works with you know ar on your phone uh you know the the small ancillary things as well as things like lenovo standalone ar devices i think we're gonna have to wait to see for ces right yeah. Um, one thing that was just recently launched was the, the Fitbit uh, Charge 3. So we know that Fitbit is trying to bring smartwatches and fitness trackers closer together. This past week, Google Fit, the app just got a complete redesign. It's now much more, um, I think it's much more user-friendly. It's also got a lot more information and it's just more useful in general. It really does a better job getting all of those metrics in one place using the familiar circle, right? Apple invented this sorely needed circle idea that, you know, you have, you got to fill in your rings and and every day you try to fill your rings. Google's just copied it out. Right. Cause why not? It works. Um, We'll definitely see that later this year with the updates to the wear OS line. Um, Sorry, Jerry, you were saying, Uh, I was saying, you know, copy Apple. They they have great ideas. Apple copies great ideas from Google. That's that's awesome. That's all I was saying is cool. So yeah, and I think this IFA will be pretty slow, um, and it's probably going to have a lot of Windows announcements too, right? Fewer Android announcements. Those are concentrated more earlier yep. in the year at, at MWC. So our buddies at Windows Central, Dan Rubino, Zach Bowden. Um, they're going to be at IFA with you, Andrew. And, and I think if, if, you know, if anybody listening is interested, stay tuned to windows central because they're going to have tons of stuff on the site as well. 
Yeah, it's and uh, you've with got Dan the Rubino. massive. Yeah, of course, and with the massive wealth of of manufacturers doing really interesting things there, it's just so easy for them to just bring out new stuff, and they use every single opportunity that they can to get new products out. It's kind of like Android four or five years ago, where every single trade show would just have massive numbers of devices. Especially in the Windows area because of Windows and the, the way they've reinvented themselves for you know people who would normally just need a Chromebook. Now there's a Windows laptop for those people. And that, you know, the Windows name, the Lenovo's of the world love to build those products. So we're going to see a lot there. And it's going to be some good stuff too. Andrew, you guys will be doing a live ifa podcast uh, next week so we'll be we'll be sober too oh god (laughs) i hate those podcasts no way (laughs) so that'll be fun i expect to hear lots of german beer being imbibed in the background and you'll you'll hear alex doby as well because he'll be he'll be there with me instead of asleep which is normally what he is while he's (laughs) while we're doing these and while he's on the podcast Yeah, he yeah, he's being let back into uh the UK and then he's being let into Germany. It's very interesting. Yeah, if uh you're not if you're not following along with the um the the life of Alex Doby, he is he's he's been living in Taiwan the last few months, which means that he's 13 hours ahead of me, 16 hours ahead of Andrew. So it's a little bit difficult to get him on the podcast because whenever we're recording, right now it's 5:30 in the morning where he is. So uh, you will hear his voice next week. You'll hear his hot takes, um, and you'll hear takes of all all uh, temperatures, depending on what's announced. So, yeah, I think we're going to leave it there for for this week, um, guys. One quick thing, yeah, Jerry. Uh, if you are a T-Mobile subscriber and you normally use WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger to communicate with everybody. Do yourself a favor and open up your messages app and see if you got a text from T-Mobile about their account hack. I got one. Lots of other people got one. And there's some important information in that text that you need to be aware of. That is a very, very good point. Yeah, there's a security breach. We have um, a sort of a roundup of everything you need to know on, on the Android Central homepage. It'll still be there when you listen to this so go check it out to learn a bit more uh andrew jerry thank you so much um if you're interested in learning more from jerry you can check him out at gb hill on twitter and andrew martinick on twitter as well uh if you've been listening thank you so much have a great weekend and we will see you very soon later bye bye